to welcome everybody this morning as always we're thankful to be here again and uh, we appreciate the kids we enjoyed uh, hearing them and watching them this morning and just thankful the Lord's allowed us to be here and uh, that first song they sang uh, just talking about the, all the different uh, ways we need to be focused on the Lord just uh, in every avenue of our life um, we got to be careful it's easy to let uh, Satan slip in on us and uh, lose our focus and um, Maybe uh, do
do something, uh, you know, start heading our own direction. Lord will show us. Uh, we don't need to go that way. But it made me think of that uh, a couple weeks ago. You preached about that singular focus, um, just being uh, focused on the Lord. If uh, we're so, if we're singularly focused on Him, all the other things fall in line. And that's really stuck with me ever since you preached that. It's uh, it's helped me a lot and. Uh, that's something we all need to focus on is just being focused on the Lord and uh, it, it helps line everything else out but thankful to be here and uh, looking forward to having a great day in the Lord and uh, I'm sure the, there'll be opportunity for people here this morning I pray that they take it but I'm going to ask um, Brother Taylor to dismiss us to Sunday school It's good to be here. Appreciate everybody for coming out this morning. We're going to be in the 38th chapter of Jeremiah this morning with our study. And so um, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, um, and as I was reading through this lesson and kind of reading some of the, went back and looked at some of the, uh, I guess, more well-known places in Jeremiah, some of the scriptures, I got to thinking about his ministry, uh, and I was reading the, uh, the book, the Sunday school book commentary, and at the end, they were talking about that Jeremiah's ministry was a successful ministry, and I agree with that, um, but I wanted to ask this question, uh, what is you know, think about this, and, and we'll come back to this maybe toward the end of the lesson. What is really the difference for Jeremiah's ministry from a lot of the other prophets, and then when you get and look at the apostles, what's the difference? 
He's, he's preaching and telling about Christ the same as a lot of the other prophets and the apostles. So what's the difference in his ministry and in, in, other, in, in others' ministry? Uh, what really sets the, the tone? Why is his ministry the way it is? Why is he referred to as the weeping prophet? Uh, and so just something to keep in mind, and hopefully we'll circle back to that maybe at the end and touch on that. I'll share my thoughts with you. And, and you know, there may be more than one thing, but I've got, a couple, I've got one focus primarily that I, I think is pretty important. Um, so to kind of set the table for where we are, here in the 38th chapter um, of Jeremiah. We're going to start at verse 14 is where the lesson uh, officially picks up. Um, but I want to, uh, I won't go back and read it right now, but I'll just tell you what has just happened. Jeremiah has been preaching, and uh, the people of Judah have heard his message, and they're mad at him. And uh, just earlier in chapter 38, a group of them go to the king and convince the king essentially to give Jeremiah to them. And he, he blesses that, says, yep, go ahead. And they take Jeremiah, and they place him down in the pit. It's a scripture that's very commonly preached out of Jeremiah. Uh, I've heard a number of preachers preach about him being down in the pit. Uh, and Elimelech uh, goes, finds out what's going on, goes to the king. The king sends and gives him authority. Well, they go and get Jeremiah out of the pit, and that's where they, they take the uh, they take make ropes out of old cloth and, and drop them down in the pit. In this pit he was in, uh, it was it was mire, it was mud, and so he just sunk up in it uh, down in, in this dungeon where he was at. So a miserable place. And they lower the they lower the rope, uh, and he puts the cloth under his arm, and they haul him out of there. Took thirty men. Uh, to do that, which is kind of an interesting and a whole message in that all by itself. So he just gets out. I mean, he's just, I mean, he's, he's out. I don't know if he has time to, if, or if they take him somewhere and let him get cleaned up or not, but he's out, all right? And the king says, well, I need to talk to Jeremiah, all right? So this conversation takes place. Uh, one of the saddest conversations, in my opinion, that you will find in the Bible. So if you recall, um, several weeks ago I had taught a lesson, and I said we can apply this lesson a number of ways. We can apply this lesson to ourselves individually, all right? We can apply this lesson maybe in a little broader sense, maybe to me and my family group. We can look at it and apply it to me and my church family, all right, our church, and we can apply it to our country, all right? And so when it's just me, it's a lot easier for me to apply it. When I've got to convince my wife, then there's, you know, at least a couple of people that we would have to change. If I'm talking to my church, well, there's, you know, a couple of hundred people that would have to take this, and if we were in the wrong place, realize that. And if it's our country, boy, that's a, you know, that's millions of people. So it gets harder the bigger the group is. So, you know, we have revival scheduled here 
starting a week from today. So, and I have no idea what Mike Jackson's going to preach, so that's not what I'm saying. But let's say Mike Jackson shows up next Sunday morning, or our pastor maybe this morning, and their message is, well, the United States is in conflict with this other country, and God has is shown me, and our best our best action that we can take is to surrender, and let's just understand that we're going to be in bondage, and they've they've got us. That's the best option we've got. How's that go down? You know, I mean, we got the flag right over here. I mean, you know, we got any patriots in here? I know there are some, you know. Let's just understand the United States is, is, is done, and whoever our enemy is that's at, you know, at our border, they've, they've beat us, and we're, we're done. Best thing we can do is just surrender, and that's the best action we've got. How do we get there? How, how do you get to that point? Well, we're going to talk about that a little, but that's, that's some of what Jeremiah was saying about Judah. And God had showed him that Judah had turned their back on God repeatedly over and over and for so long that we get to there. All right, so let's read this and see, see some about it. Chapter 14. Then Zedekiah the king sent and took Jeremiah the prophet unto him into the third entry that is in the house of the Lord. And the king said unto Jeremiah, I will ask thee a thing, hide nothing from me. Well, that's a pretty good start. King is sent for the man of God, and I, let's have a discussion here. I need to know some things. Sounds pretty good so far, right? By the way, this third entry, I'm not, the, the commentary says they think that's an entry that was maybe around in the back. Uh, and, and not a public, uh, a real public place, not a real public entry. Certainly this conversation is, being, is taking place in private. Uh, you can tell that by what's said. So, uh, you know, it, it probably, you know, if, if it, like the main entry was on, the, on a main thoroughfare, this probably, this conversation isn't taking place right out where everybody can see it. It's a secret conversation, and the king certainly know, knew where, a private place was, and so that's what where he sought that out. So that's kind of what the commentary thought, and that kind of makes sense. So Jeremiah said unto Zedekiah, If I declare it unto thee, wilt thou not surely put me to death? Well, if I tell you what's going to happen, the last time I told you what was going to happen, you let these thugs come arrest me and put me down in a pit, and I'm up to you know I'm up to my chest in mud. If I tell you again, you're going to kill me. Why should I tell you anything? You know. And when I get to this and I'm reading this, my mind and I went back and read it, but my mind goes back to the 20th chapter of Jeremiah, where just I'm not sure the how the length of time, but it wasn't a long time before this. Jeremiah was preaching the same message. We're in trouble, guys. Babylon is coming, and 
we're, you know, we were in a mess and it made the people mad and some of them grabbed him and arrested him and put him in stocks and left him in stocks for a while. I mean, he's, you know, like, the, you know, I mean, they got him, he's bound, he can't go anywhere. Uh, and, and that was in a public place. I mean, he was being ridiculed. And when he got out of that, he writes, I, when that happened, I just decided I'm done. I ain't saying nothing else about God to nobody. You know, the Babylonians are coming, good enough for them. It's kind of his mindset. Who else would have been there? <laughs> I would have, you know, fooey on them, you know. But then he says, but there was a fire in my bones. I couldn't quit. Thank God for men that will stand and declare what our people need. So here he is just a short time later talking to the king. And if I tell you, what are you going to do to me? You're going to kill me. Then he goes on and says, and if I give thee counsel, well, thou not hearken unto me. If I tell you, you, you might just kill me. And if you don't kill me, you won't pay any attention to what I'm telling you anyway. I've been telling you, and you have just been ignoring me. So Zedekiah the king swear secretly unto Jeremiah, saying, As the Lord liveth that made us this soul, I will not put thee to death, neither will I give thee into the hand of these men that seek thy life. So, okay. So he assures Jeremiah, and Jeremiah believes him, and we get on to what the options are. All right? And do you think... Now, again, this is Judah, so this is... I look at this as a saved person, Okay? I don't think Jeremiah is having a discussion. This is obviously the king here of Judah, but I don't think this instruction is for somebody that's lost. I think this is him having this discussion with somebody that's, that saved, knows God, and is, has had options but has just continually turned their back on God. Do, do you think your actions as a saved individual affect what's going to happen to you in the future? Well, sure they do. I mean, we've talked about that, and that's plain that that's the case. But look at the options. Look where Judah ends up, what their options are here. It's just, it's, it's shocking, but it's sad. Then saith Jeremiah unto Zedekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, if thou wilt assuredly... Now, what do you think? I mean... Zedekiah is, is standing here and he's like, okay, he's going to tell me. You know, he's getting ready to tell me the message. It's going to be something good. All right? It's going to be something good here. Because I remember way back, Zedekiah thinking this, I remember way back that Jeremiah said, if, if we would turn to God and pray and follow God, that there, there may be a way out of this. And, you know, when I taught a couple of weeks ago, I went back and I've still got the list I, that I had written. Amos, as early as 200 years before this conversation that Jeremiah is having, 
started proclaiming to Israel, we better turn from what we're doing or we're going to have problems. Hosea, Isaiah, Micah, Zephaniah, Habakkuk, Jeremiah, all preached. Hey, pay attention. We're going down the wrong road. And Israel would turn slightly. One king may come along and say, okay, let's, let's try to... But it, it was just like this. I mean, it, it was just down, down, down. So I got to think that Zedekiah is probably thinking, well, for 200 years they've been telling us this. Now I've got Jeremiah here, and he's going to say, if we'll just turn our heart to God and pray, and maybe we can have a sacrifice or something, that we'll be all right. All right, but listen. Listen to what the message is. If thou wilt assuredly go forth unto the king of Babylon's princes, then thy soul shall live, and, and this city shall not be burned with fire, and thou shalt live in thine house. The best advice he's got for him is go surrender. Your goose is cooked. We're done. That's the best option he's got. How do you think Jeremiah felt here with that? I mean, he knows God's given him this. This isn't Jeremiah's message. It's God's message. How do you think he feels? This is his country. These are his people. He, I mean, some of them have already gone to Babylon at this point. These are his people. He's certainly not happy. How do you think God feels about having to deliver this message to Zedekiah. Do you have children, nieces and nephews, grandkids? Who enjoys disciplining your children? Anybody? I mean, I raised four kids. I didn't enjoy disciplining them. I didn't want them to be in trouble. I wanted them to do what was right. So I didn't have to discipline them. I mean, this is a hard one. This, you know, this one here is like, you know, they've really messed up. And, th and you're having to tell them, yeah, you know, you're not, you know, you don't get those privileges anymore. You've really blown it here. I mean, this is a really bad one. People are going to die. People's lives are changed. God's not happy. Jeremiah's not happy. How do you think Zedekiah felt? How did he end up in that spot? Well, years of not following God. If you are a saved person, redeemed, one of God's, you cannot go years and years and years and years with your back turned to God, doing the wrong things, following the wrong path, and not have some consequences from that. Won't happen. God won't let me do that, so I know he loves you just as much as he loves me, so he's not going to let you do that either. So let's see what the, I mean, so Jeremiah tells him, best option you got, go surrender. Second option, let's see what's behind door number two, all right? But if thou will not go forth to the king of Babylon's princes, then shall this city be given unto the hand of the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. And they shall burn it with fire, 
and thou shalt not escape out of their hand. All right. So God tells us, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. Which one do you want? Which one are you going to follow? If you follow God, you've got a blessing. You don't follow God, you've got problems. Now, obviously, that's for lost and saved people uh, in a couple of different applications, but it, it works real well right here. So what does Zedekiah, what does he say? When we're in church, and our pastor has preached this for years, we're here on Sunday or Sunday night, and somebody's in our midst, and the gospel goes out, and they're convicted. They're given an opportunity, presented this, this option. What are their two answers that they can say? What's our pastor tell us all the time? They can say yes and come forward or raise their hand back there and we'll go to them. They can say yes and they can pray, all right? Or they can say no and sit in their seat and leave, okay? Now, Zedekiah gives an excuse, and we'll go over it. Is there any excuse that's worth saying no to God? No. When God calls, the real answers are yes, and you follow God, or no, because, and then fill in the blank. I mean, it, that's a, a billion things, fill in the blank. They're all irrelevant all right and he had one here and it probably meant something to him but god has given him an option even in this spot as bad as his options were there was a good option and a bad option or maybe it was a bad to him it may have been a bad option and a worse option but he had a choice i mean he could have done some things so Look at what the options, the things that, that, that Jeremiah really tells him. You can better yourself individually, all right? And this thing you've been ruling, your, your empire here, because this is the king. So your empire, which is his influence. So you think about that individually. I mean, that's my life. That's, you know, what I do. It can, you can save it to some degree, or it can be burned completely to the ground and just be gone. All right? Your family, the people that you love the most, you can help them some, or you can turn them over to the Babylonians, your, your women and your children. And everything, so I mean, it affects everything in our life. If you don't follow God, it will affect you and it will affect your kingdom because we're all, we've all got influence and things that we do. So it'll affect what our lives are and it'll affect our family. So he had some choices here. So he makes, so here's what Zedekiah says. And like I say, it, it really doesn't matter what he said because the answer wasn't yes. Um, so the king said, and this is in verse 19, said unto Jeremiah, I am afraid of the Jews that are fallen to the Chaldeans, lest they deliver me into their hands and they mock me. So pride, okay? I mean, he, he's afraid that they're going to, he's going to get, if he goes and surrenders, that some of the people that used to be there in his kingdom that he led, that 
you know, kind of turned against him, they're going to make fun of him. Okay. I mean, how many people do you think come here on Sunday and think, I'd go up there, I, I, I'd like to go up there, but I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed. I might get embarrassed if I had to go up. I mean, we hear people say that all the time. Even our pastor, who I have a hard time believing was ever shy, will tell us that when he was in, you know, junior high school, that he didn't want to get up and do a, a book report publicly. He'd hand the book report in, but he didn't want to get up and read it because he was too shy. Okay? So, so he's embarrassed is, is what he's saying. I mean, maybe that's true. Um... Uh, but he, you know, he doesn't follow through. So Jeremiah comes back again and, and gives him and, and explains it in a little bit more detail. So starting in verse 20, Jeremiah said, they shall not deliver thee. So he tells him, God has already shown me that what you're concerned of isn't going to happen. Obey. I beseech thee, I'm begging you, I'm, I, you know, God has shown me this, I'm, you wanted to know, I'm telling you, here it is, the voice of the Lord, which I speak unto thee, so it shall be well unto thee, and thy soul shall live, but if thou refuse to go forth, this is the word the Lord has showed me. And behold, all the women that are left in the king of Judah's house shall be brought forth to the king of Babylon's princes. And those women shall say, <coughs> Thy friends have set thee on and have prevailed against thee. Thy feet are sunk in the mire and they are turned away back. So they shall bring out all thy wives and thy children to the Chaldeans and set forth and, and thou shalt not escape out of their hand, but shalt be taken by the hand of the king of Babylon, and thou shalt cause this city to be burned with fire. So he's, he tells him the same thing, but he just gives him a little bit more detail. And he's begging him. You know, how many times do our preachers stand up here and they preach and they give a song of invitation and nobody comes and then you know, they come back and say, you know, please come. Don't don't turn this away. If, if God's dealing with you today, don't say no to. I mean, that's where Jeremiah's at here. He's telling him, man, you're you know, don't be concerned about what you're being concerned about. Your excuse. Don't worry about that. God's going to take care of it. Jeremiah had the answer already, and he told him. And I think God was moving in power. I think Zedekiah felt that. But Zedekiah didn't follow Jeremiah's warning. And in the next chapter, in, in chapter 39, which isn't part of this lesson, but the city is besieged, it's overrun. Zedekiah and some of his men escape temporarily, but the Babylonian army tracks them down, captures them, and everything that Jeremiah predicted, prophesied, came to be. They catch Zedekiah. They kill his sons in, 
in front of him, so he gets to watch that. Then they put his eyes out. Then they put him in chains and and take him to Babylon. And it, the city's burned, the city's destroyed. So his kingdom, what he was, you know, what he was supposed to be taken care of, is is burned. And all, you know, the women and the, his kids and all, you know, the all of the children of Judah. Taken to Babylon. So, sad end. So let's go back to my question. You remember my question at the beginning? What's different about Jeremiah's ministry and, and other men's ministry in the Bible? Anybody got an idea? I mean, I don't know that there is a wrong answer to this. I've got a place I'm wanting to head. But, I mean, if you've got an idea, tell me what it is. And you hit on what my thought was. It's a great point. So I don't know if everybody could hear all that, but and Dally said, people there became desensitized to sin. The difference for me in Jeremiah's ministry and and most other men was who was the audience that Jeremiah was preaching to. And unfortunately for Jeremiah, you know, my way of looking at it, and God knew this when he called Jeremiah, and God blessed Jeremiah greatly, but unfortunately, Jeremiah is the weeping prophet because he continued to deliver this message and, and hardly anyone, now there were a few, but hardly anyone ever responded. And they turned their hearts hard against God and they wouldn't follow what God wanted so God kept giving Jeremiah this message and back to that you know in the 20th chapter where he says I, I ain't gonna say that no more I'm done you know and in that 20th chapter read that sometimes because he says everybody's making fun of me nobody likes me 
I mean, that's, you know, my, my interpretation of what he's saying. Nobody likes me. They don't like my message. They don't like me. They're mad at me. You know, why would I keep on doing this? So that brings me to this. What kind of life are you living and what kind of message does your preacher get to preach based upon your life? If everyone here in Judah would have turned and listened to this, Jeremiah could have preached a different message after that. Think about that. If they'd all said, yep, we're going to turn, we're going to repent, we're going to follow God, give him our whole heart, we're going to follow the old paths. Jeremiah could have started preaching a different message. Right? So it's the lives of the people that were in his audience. That's the difference. I mean, he, you know, when God put him there, it wasn't the luck of the draw. I mean, God knew, but God put him there at that time knowing that that's what they needed. And, you know, I feel bad for Jeremiah, but God still blesses. I mean, he blessed Jeremiah even in spite of this, but how hard of a situation would that be? So it's a challenge to us to live our lives in such a way that our pastor doesn't have to get up here every week and preach out of the, the sermons of Jeremiah that he can, you know, preach to the lost. You know, he doesn't have to get up. If, if we're living right, he doesn't have to get up and get on us. Now, he can encourage us and try to, you know, straighten us out a little bit because nobody's perfect. But what kind of message does your life warrant? So that was one of my thoughts this morning. Uh, and, you know... Yeah. God hates pride. Absolutely. In Luke 16, it even says that this eye of the knowledge, it says, as the Lord liveth, that made us his soul. He knew who made him, and he was making soul, and not only his, but us is everybody. You know, and so these are Christian people. Well, you know, I'm, and it's you know, I look around and I see people that used to come to church here that don't anymore. Uh, they don't go anywhere. 
mean, it's not that they've, you know, moved their letter someplace else. Um, and it's, it's easy to think, well, you know, that's a new thing, but I mean, this flesh doesn't like the message of God. We have to get our heart in the right place, turn our heart toward God, and let him work through us. And for a lot of people, that's just not something that, uh, that they want, that they're willing to do. And so a uh, good lesson about Jeremiah. Uh, I appreciate your attention. Uh, and it should encourage us. You look at what he went through yeah. and people, you know, basically the entire time turning their back against him. And it, it really wasn't against him because Christ, you know, told the apostles, he said, you know, they're going to hate you because they've hated me first. I mean, it was really Christ's message. Um, but they, you know, Jeremiah was the one there voicing it. So he was the one that they could get a hold of. So that's who they, you know, that's who they ridiculed, put in stocks, put in a dungeon. That was his own people. You know, think about this. Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon, takes over, you know, finds Jeremiah there, still essentially in house arrest, as I understand it. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, treated Jeremiah better than Jeremiah's own people who he was trying to warn. How sad is that? The world treated him with more respect than his own people. So, uh, this lesson is a parallel to, to us now. Absolutely. So my, my question would be, who's the person, Jeremiah, of our time? Is it just our individual pastors? Is that who's... Just a question, because he was, he was worried about the whole country. Sure. He had, yeah, he had the ear to the king, certainly, and he was, he was the prophet there that was, uh, you know, had the king's ear and had the, you know, was, had the people's attention. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's our, our pastors and our individual churches, uh, you know, I mean, it's certainly their responsibility. They're the under shepherds of each of the flocks, you know, really one church, but different congregations. Um, and so, um, and I'm, I'm like Dally. I'm thankful that we've got uh, preachers that will stand and proclaim. There are a lot, and, and it's unfortunate, but there are a lot that used to, that don't anymore. And I think more and more, there are a lot that never did, and, and the way it looks, never will. I mean, you know, they... Just it's easy to bow to the pressure that the world puts on you. It would have been easy for Jeremiah. He started to. He started to just say, nope, I'm done. Uh, but he just kept on. And so we need to have that type of, of resilience, that type of uh, fire. Uh, if we've been saved, we've got the same fire. Now, we're not all preachers. But if we've been saved, we've got that same fire is in there. What are we going to do with it? You know, are we going to get out uh, and invite people to come to church for our revival? If we don't invite them, who's going to invite them? Our pastor doesn't know maybe two-thirds or three-quarters of the people I know that I come into contact with every day. 
he may know a few of them to just to say hello, but he doesn't know them. If I don't invite them, who's going to invite those people? If you don't invite them, who's, who's going to invite them? If you don't invite your family and your neighbors and the people that are close to you, who, who's inviting them? Is there somebody else? Maybe. But if God gives it to you, invite them. You know, get them here. It's a, it, it, it is a place that is too straight for a lot of people. And not because they can't, but because they don't want to. And I'll leave you with this and then we'll, we'll close. Denny Crow, it's a quote, the best I can. I'll tell you why people don't come to church. Because they don't want to. That's Denny Crow. You're dismissed. Thank you. Yeah. Satisfy the flesh. It'll appease you, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the gospel will hurt you sometimes. It's hurt me before. The gospel is, has told me you're wrong and you're just thinking wrong and you're feeling wrong and you're, that's just not right. And as, as humans, we don't sometimes want to hear that. But if we'll humble our hearts, just like the Bible says, if you'll humble your heart and call on God, he'll help you. I love that scripture, uh, and uh, Carl quotes that a lot, uh, where uh, God's telling Solomon, he said, if my people who are called by my name will humble their heart and, and call, you know, I'll hear from them. You know, Zedekiah, though, if you look at this, and that's the important part of this, God's, God's mercy does have a boundary. Okay, and Zedekiah and Judah would have loved 
for the message to have been that at the point. I think Zedekiah was hoping Jeremiah was going to say, just, just turn, make a sacrifice, let's pray to God and everything will be okay. As saved people, if we continually turn our hearts against God and don't follow him, there is a judgment. I'm not talking about the end of time where God comes back and we have a resurrection. We're going to pay for that, folks. I mean, God's mercy has a boundary. So God will hear from us, but, uh, you know, call on him while he is near. What's our pastor tell us? That means there's going to be a point in time when he's not near. I mean, I, I remember a time when I was out of church uh, 